Hey everybody, welcome to episode 54 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett, here with David Picciuto. Hey, what's going on? Not much. And Jimmy Duresta. Hello everybody. How you guys doing? Very good. I'm good. Very good. Relaxed. Chilled out. Awesome. What's going on? Anything new? Working my butt off. Last week, got a couple videos out. I put out the uh, video on all my photography and video equipment. And that's uh, threw a bunch of tips in there. And I got a good response out of that. And then on Friday, I put out the duplicating a vinyl record with molds and and, and resins. And that was that was really fun. Got got retweeted a couple times by Third Man Records, so that was that, nice. That, that made me feel good. Yeah, awesome. I, I did anybody? One, I, I haven't looked at the comments, but did anybody get mad at you for putting a Sun record in Umu? No, no. Because it came out, it looked totally fine. Yeah, it was it was completely it was completely fine. There was a couple comments of like, oh, well, you should have used a vacuum chamber, or you should have done this. And I'm like, it came out pretty good. I don't. You know, honestly, when you when you put a when you make a mold like that, that's like one sided. When you turn it over, the bubbles float away from the subject, so it usually works really good. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I love the way it came out. I've gotten a great response out of it. And today, I tried to make a chocolate version of it, and the first attempt failed. So we're on attempt number two, using the same mold but with chocolate this time. Mm-hmm. So you just had to eat the first record, and then like, oh, gonna have to do it again. Oh, it's, this one didn't yeah, work either. I mean, it's part of the it. job. <laughs> that's funny yeah well i'm not uh i i kind of have a slow week starting i had uh i had a consultation today with i'm gonna be making a classroom over at a at a, a lower school it's not a it's kind of like k through six i think or maybe even k through five i'm not sure but hmm. i'm making over one of the rooms into a makerspace a, a very junior makerspace so I had that meeting today and, you know, talking about taking this very clinical, like kind of 1970s looking classroom and turning it into some of the conversation kind of went towards like, kind of like Silicon Valley startup look, you know, with like raw wood and, and like metal edge, obviously not going to be anything less than safe for the kids, but, um, you know, and a lot of birch plywood tables and chairs and stuff. So hmm. we, um, I just had that meeting today and, and that went well. So that's going to be my next probably two months work among other things. But, uh, this classroom oh, wow. is going to be my priority is, is converting this classroom and hopefully I'll get a couple of videos out of that. And, uh, I released the WWE video today, which, uh, was pretty cool because WWE, the reason it took long for me to, to put it out, um, I released it last night. Today's Tuesday. So I, I put it out last night, but, um, WWE got a sniff of the video through friends and they loved it and they showed it to Brock and Brock loves it. And so they said, Hey, can you hold off to put it out? Cause Brock's going to be coming back. He's the guy who has the tattoo of the sword. And so, uh, in, you know, we, we I kind of manipulated that and it worked. So we'll see. I, I made the video and then I started sending it around to friends who I thought knew them and, uh, it, it kind of worked. We'll see, you know, so it's all about, <laughs> it's all about getting publicity. Uh, at the moment, the video is growing at the same rate as most other videos, so it's not completely blown up, but who knows, by the time this will be Friday, maybe it'll be doing better. But, um, so that was fun, so I'm going to, uh, I got to start a new video this week, and I might start the chessboard for the chess pieces that I made. I have a couple of uh, visions and a couple of little details that uh, might make up a good video, so I'm going to do that. Awesome. 
Yeah. The, the makerspace room, school room thing sounds really cool. Yeah, because I, I, I wonder I gotta, if you'll like run into considerations that you've never had to think about for kids. Oh, absolutely, because there's not going to be bandsaws and chop saws and, yeah. you know, uh, going to be a lot of chalk paint. Um, you know, I even said, let's just put chalk paint all over the floor or going right up to the walls. And, and they, the, you know, my, my, uh, my clients my like, oh, that's, we love that idea. You know, right now they have this old like tile floor that's like buffed and polished. It looks like it was put on in 1965. But I said, you know, I'll do some research to see if we could paint right over this or what epoxy we could put over it to paint onto. And, uh, yeah, so they, they said they want this room to feel like, like it's, it's about developing creativity and not necessarily doing circuit boards and stuff like that. It's, it's, right. it's about getting the kids outside of their own, you know, and it's going to be fun because these kids are, you know, they're five, six, seven, eight years old. So they're pretty creative as a child goes, you know, they're sort of untainted and uh, it's to try and drum up more creativity within them. So it's going to yeah. be some murals and stuff. It's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. That sounds really cool. I'd love to to see what you come up with because I mean that's you know my kids are in those ages. And, yeah, uh, actually, I, 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 we should have some conversations to... about it. I'll I'll send yeah. you some of the concept drawings that I'm going to ultimately do. I photographed all the walls of the room, and you know we're on a budget, so I can't like rip a wall out and change it. So, um, but there are some things I'm going to do with like cubbies, and right now it looks like it was made over, probably thirty five years ago, and it's just it's just like the classrooms that we probably all went to, you know, if you're forty something years old. It looks like that's the classroom we were in when we were kindergartners. That's how old it is. And yeah, so I was just going to try and juice it up. Did you guys have the cardboard bricks in your kindergarten classroom like we did? Yes. The yes. Cardboard, cardboard you, what? Cardboard bricks. So it was just like a, oh, look, no. look like, look like a brick, but it was made out of cardboard and you can make forts and, and whatever. I'm 80 years old, so we had real <laughs> bricks when I was in. You're like 10 <laughs> years older than me. You can still get those cardboard bricks. Oh, yeah, we had real bricks. No, I had wooden. We had wooden bricks that were very weathered and worn from like the previous year. So, you know, our bricks were all like it was supposed to be a square brick. It hardly stood up on its end. They were so worn out. Jimmy's back like, in my day. In my day, we had real bricks. We didn't have <laughs> fancy Legos. You know, every time it's funny when you talk about bricks from kindergarten. Every time I see an arch, I think of the very first time I saw an arch, which was an arch brick. That's like the square, the rectangle with the arch cut out of it. And you would put like, you know, columns on the other side of it. Every single time I see an arch, I immediately remember hmm. the, the, the hmm. brick I saw in Mrs. Munch's class when I was, how, how old are you in kindergarten? Five years old? Yes. Yeah. So it's pretty amazing, you know, what the brain remembers and chooses to like, you know, like my brain is constantly playing match game. It's like, oh, there's that one. And there's one just like that across the street. You know, whenever I go down the street and there's the same car and both, I get nervous. I'm like, oh my God, there's a car. There's another one over there. I'm like <laughs> Rain Man. in the maker in the Matrix. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I see the same car twice. Oh no. Um, no. So my brain is constantly playing match game with like, you know, past and present. It's pretty crazy. Hmm. Nuts. Well, uh, for me, I've been, let's see, I built a bike rack this week. I have, you know, a lot of kids. And so we have a lot of bikes. We have bikes and scooters and skateboards and just helmets and all sorts of stuff. So I built a big, like 12 foot long bike rack to put in front of our house, put all that stuff in. And so that was kind of nice to be building something for outside. Is know? it going to be a bike rack where like the neighbors will park their bike and abandon them? <laughs> like bikes locked to it with no wheels on it. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Actually they won't because there's no room on it. Like yeah, I, I was going to say, you have thing. enough people in your family that you'll get like some abandoned bikes and like nobody will claim them. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it's possible, but yeah, I mean, it's like full. I, I, you know, I was thinking like, oh, I'm making it bigger than I need to. Nope, it's every single spot is full. So, 
I did that, and then um, last week, when the same day this show went up, um, I released a new brain pick, first brain pick since May, I realized, <laughs> which was crazy. Uh, that was with Bill Duran, which was a lot of fun. He's a super cool guy. I've talked about him before. Uh, he does Punished Props. Oh, yeah, yeah, prop, yeah, right, right, right. Prop yeah, maker. I like that. And uh, Yeah, he's, he's a really cool guy, and he's actually coming to Savannah later in the year, so we're going to do something when he's here, which is really cool. So, yeah, I've been trying to get back into doing that show and... Still working on the arcade. The arcade is in my living room. Did I send you guys a picture of it? I saw that with the with the big decal on it. It looks killer. Has anybody else a, seen it yet? No. Uh oh. All it's right. A, I gotta untweet yeah, that. Hold on. Is it completely <laughs> finished? It's the case is finished. Okay. I mean it's like in it looks like it would work, but there's no electronics in it yet. So this week I'm gonna try to get it actually like functioning and start getting the lights and speakers in and all that stuff. But it's it looks amazing. I'm so and that's I don't mean that in like a I'm awesome way. I just mean no. like seeing it in real life yeah. is just like so motivating to see. I know. tell my students that all the time and I know I've said it, I might've said it here, I might've said it, but you know, when you make something and you, when you wake up and the first thing you want to do is go and look at that thing, mm-hmm. you know, that's the feeling that you should have about the things you make. That means you're proud of what you do. And just, you know, there's no reason to feel ashamed about saying that. Yeah. Especially from me, you know, I'm such an egomaniac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your name was all over that last video. It was on everything. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah so yeah as he pulls down his hat with his name on it yeah. <laughs> we went out to dinner the other night and tell us like could you just wear something that doesn't have your name on it i was like all right <laughs> okay what you need to do is make a hat that says taylor on it and then like next time she asks you i have one <laughs> i have oh, one okay, well, <laughs> it says taylor's fishing lures from uh filson <laughs> it was a gift from my friend nice <laughs> yeah yeah so that's what i'm up to i've been I'm working on some new stuff for next week. But. Can you project when the video of the the arcade game will be available? So um, we're shooting for um, the first, either the last week of January or the first week of February. Mm-hmm. And the reason that's kind of taking so long is because um, I'm making plans, my first real set of plans um, for the arcade. And it's you know kind of a complex build to make your first set of plans out of. So we're trying to do the plans, edit the video. I'm still building the thing. So all that together trying to get it ready to have the first part out at the end of the month or beginning of next month. And then every week after that for three or four weeks will be the next step. You know? Well, so you well, think, is it going to be consecutive videos or are you going to throw things in between there to break it up? Um, I may have to put one in, in the middle of it uh, just cause I have a sponsor obligation. And so I got, I might have to fit that in somewhere, but I'd kind of like to just get through them mm-hmm. and just get it, you know, get it all out. Right. But, and that will give me, you know, if there's, say there's four videos, that'll give me four weeks to, at that point, I'll be finished with it. So I'll have four weeks to start working on what's going to come after that, which, oh, I'm, yeah. you know, I want to try to use that time to really get ahead. So I'm not always like looking at next week. Like, what am I doing for next week? You mm-hmm. know? So that's kind of one of the big things I'm trying to accomplish with releasing all the videos in, in a block. Cool. Yeah. Well, our, uh, let's get into what our topic this week, and this comes from Ryan via Twitter, and he asks, are your YouTube channels more of a means to an end, or are they the end goal? Hmm. You guys have means any thoughts on end. that? Um, I, I can start, since I blab a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> means to an end. I, I, I've said this before, and I said it publicly that uh, I started my YouTube channel out of revenge for the television business because I felt like I didn't get my fair shake 
But, you know, it wasn't anything personal in hindsight. You know, nobody even, you know, people at Discovery Channel hardly even knew who I was. They look at the show as, as you know, the the show itself. You know, of course, the show is made up of the talent and so on. But, you know, it wasn't anything personal when they pulled the plug on that show. It was just more of like a corporate thing. And uh, when I started my channel, I said, I'm going to show them. I'm going to build my audience and then go back to TV with a better deal, you know, with people actually uh, being unable to ignore me. And that was that was really my my focus at the start. But now I'm totally happy where I am. I have no uh, real interest in being on TV other than to promote my YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, I've had conversations with TV producers all the time and they're complete morons. If you're a TV producer and you're listening to this, prove to me that you're not a complete moron. I swear. <laughs> Everyone I talk to is is a complete moron. And they're supposed to be the cool makers and the the people on the edge of, you know, trend setting. And they know nothing. I recently spoke to a TV producer who was a complete moron, and he didn't know who Nick Offerman was, and he didn't know who Adam wow. Savage was. <laughs> mm. Wow. And, and he's calling me to try and, like, get me to do a tap dance for him so he could promote me to television. I said, you're such an idiot, I don't even want you to promote me to TV. <laughs> On the inside. <laughs> no, I, I, we, the, 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 the Skype call got slightly contentious, and, you know, I kind of ended it calmly, but... This is the more time goes on, the more out of touch I find that television people are. And, um, excuse me, someone's ringing my vibrating phone. I'm going to shut it off. It's a TV uh, producer. <laughs> that's my dad. <laughs> he's probably just saw the sword video for the first time. He's calling me to ask me if I met the guy yet. I know it. So he's like, did you meet this guy yet with the tattoo? <laughs> that's my dad. Um, so I I'm so happy on YouTube. And as far as a means to an end, there's a lot of things I'm getting out of it. Of course, I'm developing a fan base, which is, you know, awesome. And I, I met so many good friends, including Ryan, who asked this question. Ryan came and hung out with me for two days this week. And he met every freak in my life in those two days he was here. And he goes, is there usually this many? You know, he was he's super kind and super nice. And he would never say freak or weirdo, at least not in front of me. But I can, <laughs> I can only imagine what was like, wow, there's another freak weirdo he's friends with. Um, but I left the door to my shop open for two days and everybody in the neighborhood wanders in and says, hello, hey, what's going on? And so Ryan got to meet all these weirdos. And we went for a walk a couple of times and I met the weirdos on the street. But I'm sure he had a lot of fun. Um, but in context of walking down the street with somebody who's like for the first time meeting your weird, strange neighbors, like it was kind of accentuated to me. You know, it was like putting a mirror up and being like, oh, wow, well, okay, I got to explain this weirdo to Ryan. I got to explain this weirdo to Ryan. <laughs> 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 but we had fun, and actually Ryan helped me with the last batch of ice picks, which are ready to go out. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was great help. Um, but YouTube is is definitely, I feel the end for me. I think anything beyond YouTube is just going to be some, you know, corporate, just garnishing some corporate advertising money some way, but still using YouTube. But one thing that scares me, and uh, I don't know if you guys uh, follow, I follow some gun blogs, and, and it came up this week. It, a, a website called a YouTube channel called Hickok. I think it's Hickok 45. Um, a father and son, I think they're father and son. They do gun reviews and they have million eight hundred thousand subs. And the channel got turned off by YouTube with no real explanation. And it was very scary to think, you know, they if you go to Hickok 47 or 45 or whatever the hell it is, uh, I'll find the name before the end of the episode. Um, their channel just got turned off 
maybe somebody ratted on them, some, you know, surreptitious or some false claim, but they said that they were in, when they, they went to the channel, they said, I got a window that said in violation of the YouTube, you know, code of ethics. Mm. So we're turning it, we're, your channel has been terminated. Hmm. Which, and they, they talk about it in a video, obviously a recent video. They think there's one or two new ones since that one, but this is about a week ago. And they discuss what happened and they basically say, we don't know what happened. We don't really have a clear explanation as to why, you know, the automaton, the automatons or, or automatic robots that scan and search information, flag their channel and shut it off. So as far as, you know, YouTube is a means to an end, it, it's scary to think that, you know, we have all our eggs in this YouTube basket. But, you know, for now, I still have all my videos copied onto my computers, of course. But, you know, it, it would be scary to think that, uh, you know, this YouTube life is, is that fragile. Hmm. They, chan- they did get their channel back after some, you know, they, they, they lobbied to say, hey, what's wrong? Like, and YouTube has this, you know, uh, shoot first, ask questions later is how they put it. There's no pun intended because they're a, a gun channel. But it's like, you know, Guilty and proven innocent is kind of what it, what it is. You guys know mm-hmm. when you monetize something, it automatically says, unable to monetize it, we'll, we'll check it and then we'll let you know later if this is okay. That's because they think there might be some copyright infringement or something. So I don't know. So that just sheds a little light on how fragile our existence is, mm-hmm. you, know, uh, you know, dealing with these things. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, YouTube is definitely a great community that's developed in the last few years among all of us and, you know, our friends and and it's funny when you, like, I'm kind of in a couple of different worlds, you know, I know the blacksmiths are kind of friendly and then the gun guys are all friendly with each other and, and, you know, the, the metal steel welder guys are all friendly with each other. And, and it's really fun to, to kind of go in and out of those different communities and see. So, I mean, I hope YouTube is, is here to stay. For me, I don't really see any, the only thing my career is going to do is just kind of focus more and more on YouTube movies, it seems. So, and less on client bills. That's kind of the, my sh- my personal goal. But I always need content, so client builds a good content. So it's not going to go away totally. Hmm. Yeah, for me, I I don't have an end goal. There is never there's never going to be an end goal for me. Everything that I do is so far in my life has been a stepping stone for the next thing. I've talked about it before from being a graphic designer to a web developer and all that, all these things have led up to where I am now. And maybe this is leading up to something else, but I have no plans to do anything else, but I also try to keep it. Um, my goals kind of short term and Mm. accomplishable. So who knows what the future is, but right now I'm putting all my efforts into making my YouTube channel grow Mm -hmm. and I don't have all my eggs in the YouTube basket. I have a lot of eggs in my on my website. I have a lot of eggs, you know. They're they're kind of scattered all all over the place. Um, but yeah, if YouTube went, if YouTube took my channel down, I'd be I'd be in a panic. That's for sure. But I would have other sources of income. But yeah, and you know, we've seen um, what was it? Friendster turned into MySpace, turned into Facebook, and now Facebook seems to be getting old. Like I, I don't I don't see the the 16 to 17 year olds on Facebook, they're using the next thing. So I don't think YouTube's going anywhere in the short term, but you never know. Everything moves you know, so fast. You never know. You really never know. Yeah. yeah. It is scary. And I like it being scary. I like not knowing what the future is. It, it makes life fun. Yeah. 
It is. It's definitely exciting. I mean, I know I, I always badmouth TV and, you know, I think all TV producers are idiots. But if I found a TV <laughs> producer that wasn't an idiot and that did give me the opportunity to produce a show that I would want, you know, that I would include my friends in, you know, including my friends on YouTube, you guys and David and whoever else, I would certainly say, hey, let's give it a shot. But, you know, to find a TV producer that isn't a moron is going to be hard. <laughs> so, so wait, remind me again how you feel about TV producers. I'm, I'm a oh, they're all unclear. morons. Oh, oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I I'm saying it with a straight face to try and make you guys laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's working. I don't know, for me, I, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you, David. I, I think I, I thought of it a different way than you said it, but I think my end goal. I'm already at my end goal, but my end goal is not something that's finished, right? It's not something that's just going to be like, yep, I did the thing. Now I'm done doing stuff. Yeah. Um, I think my, and I'm still developing it to a point, I guess, but my end goal that I'm looking at now is to, is to have larger reach to be able to inspire more, more types of people, more people in whatever they're doing. And I think a, a big one of my goals is, is to inspire a lot of different age ranges is to be able to reach kids um, at an inspiration level before they realize that things can be difficult, before they realize mm -hmm. that things can be impossible. You know, That's because, a good angle. It's really smart. I mean, like, if you can get them to think outside of, of their reality or not be not be kind of held in by their reality, then they're going to have a lot more opportunity to come up with, like, crazy ideas, the stuff that's going to be really different in the next generation. And I know that's kind of a lofty, like, you know, whatever, world-changing thought process. I'm not expecting to change the world with what I do in that way. But being able to reach those kids and different people in different types of situations, that's kind of a goal of mine. So right now that goal is being met by YouTube. And I hope that that continues because I'm with you, Jimmy. Like I, I just really enjoy the community. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm getting over a cold. Enjoy the community and enjoy the interaction and the reach that it provides and so I hope that doesn't go away. But if it does, um, you know, I think one of the reasons that all of us get involved in social media is to build a connection and a community outside of a single network. I mean, that's why we all use Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Because not all of those people are on YouTube and not all the people, you know, on one or on the other. And that's also why, like, it's a good idea to build your email list because yeah. so... Um, we've talked about Pat Flynn before. He's a guy that runs a podcast, smart passive income podcast. And if you're an entrepreneur, it's something you definitely should be listening to. One of the stories that he told one time was that, and it was when he was first getting started, I believe somebody hacked into his, his, uh, website and took it over and like took it down. And, um, so he, you know, he's building this business and everything. And all of a sudden the business just disappears as far as like what it can provide, how it's making money, all that stuff is just gone. And the way that he was able to get in touch with all these people who had been wanting to follow what he was doing was through his email list, which was held on a different server, which was not accessible through the website and all this stuff. So he could immediately, and he actually used YouTube in the same way. He put up a video that said, my site is down. If you go there and you see anything, it's not me until I tell you that it's me right here on this channel, you know, until you see me physically say it Did the same thing with email. You know, it's like, Hey everybody, my site's down. Here's the situation. You will hear back from me when it's fixed. Don't go there. You know? And so all that to say, it's really, it's, it's, 
almost problematic to try to keep track of all these different social networks and try to build them all up. But it's also kind of a safety net because if YouTube did decide to take our channels down, all we have to do is send out a tweet and reach, real, you know, maybe a small percentage of our audience. But we reach some the of the audience to say, here's what happened. Tell your friends. If yeah. anybody cares about what I'm doing, help them find me. Here's my new, you know, I'm on Vimeo now or I'm on whatever, you know. Um, so it, it's, it is kind of work to, to have those backups. But I think looking at social network, uh, social networking and email lists and all that stuff as kind of a, a community backup is kind of a good thing to do. Um, because yeah, you're right. Stuff can change anytime. I mean, YouTube could, you know, all the kids could be like, you nope, know, done with YouTube. We're going to Snapchat. That's all we're doing now. You know, uh, that could happen any moment or, you know, some other brand new thing that's not even out yet. And I mean, it's almost guaranteed to happen, I guess, at some point. But depends yeah. on whether we will be around. <laughs> you know what? You, you brought up a point about social media, which I think is something uh, important to share with you guys that I heard this morning. Uh, Kevin Hart was on Howard Stern today. And Kevin Hart is like a massive comedian, if you don't know him, like massive as far as uh, success. And he took control of it. I didn't know any of this about him, but he took major control of his own career. He was like waiting around to try and be famous in TVs and movies. And he said, you know what? The reason I'm here is because of stand-up. Let me just go on the road. He said he did the same 30 or 40 cities every year for like four or five years in a row and just kept building that audience, collecting emails and building his social media. And then now that he's back again as a, as a huge movie star, he said one of the studios said to him, oh, make sure you tweet all this stuff. And he goes, wait a minute, I have over a million followers on my social media. Let's work out a business plan where you pay me to do that. And they're like, wait, wouldn't you do that anyway? He's like, no. He's like, give me your Rolodex. Let me send all my information that I want you all your people to know about. And he was basically saying, you know, MGM Studios is going to open their Rolodex so he could give about free information to all the contacts they've developed. He says, you know, you got to kind of ch change your point of view. It's like, yeah, these are all people that I talk to on a daily basis, but if I'm going to feed them some advertising, you're going to pay me. I mean, it seems mm. kind of obvious, but he said they kind of took it for granted that since they hired him, they hired his whole entire network. He goes, no, no, no. You hired me as an actor. If you want to hire me as a network businessman, that's a different price. So I just thought that was something interesting, you know, is yeah, for, for is. you know, us and you know, the community at large to realize if you are building a social media thing, you know, we, we make a little bit of money through YouTube, but, it, you know, some people have a much bigger success on Twitter and a much bigger success on Instagram, and, and they also make money. You know, if they're tweeting, like, oh, look at the eyeshadow I'm using, that would be for a girl. And, uh, you know, she's getting paid for that, you know, for hmm. instance. Yeah. You know, just for that tweet or just for that Instagram picture. Right. You know, I'm not if, at that level yet, but. If you're a fan of Kevin Hart, or even if you're not a fan of Kevin Hart, but you're a fan of comedy in general you should watch the comedians in cars with kevin hart um, oh, interviewed yeah. by jerry seinfeld it's really good it, it may change your point of view on on kevin he's obviously a smart guy he's studied comedy he studied the greats and he got to where he is because of hard work hmm. yeah absolutely i mean it was great to see like he went on the road and then he started making his comedy appearances into movies and now it just keeps growing every year he just invests more money in the next movie Pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So, um, another thing I was thinking about when, when you were talking about YouTube, like canceling that channel, <clears throat> is that I think that that has happened a few times to kind of big channels. But I think in general, the feeling that I get from watching the way that YouTube interacts with 
the creators that are on the platform is that they they generally want us to s- succeed mm-hmm. you know um but like any social network or any you know any app that you use or any phone that you have you have to follow the terms of service and that's the stuff that you know by by having access free access to a service you have to play within their rule book and if you don't then they don't have to keep you around and you know so I, that seems obvious when you say it but i think there's a lot of people that i mean i have like a whole opinion about entitlement um but I think there's a lot of people who just feel a really big unnecessary sense of entitlement when it comes to uh, web services and social networks and, you know, all the free stuff that we get to use that makes technology so amazing. Yeah. I mean, we could build a career because, you know, 10 people thought of these cool things to give out for free. Right. But there, you know, there are rules that, that they built, those 10 people built into their thing. And yeah. so... It's just, I think it's important to just to acknowledge that because a lot of people do have a really messed up sense of entitlement <laughs> and, and, and that comes back to bite you. And this is like a whole different, we could have a conversation about this, but that comes back to bite you in a bunch of different ways. That's part of why comments on YouTube are so jacked up. People are, think they're entitled to be able to speak about certain things that they're not, maybe not, maybe they are, I don't know, but you know, that wraps up into just how you interact with the world and how you interact with, especially like the digital stuff um, and what you think you're owed and what you think you have access to. Uh, you know what? It would be an, a lot nicer internet universe if everybody had to use their real name and their real address. Just like, remember the old days you used to be like, you know, you had a crush on, on a girl in high school and you open the notebook, you open the white pages and you're like, oh, she only lives like two blocks away. I'll make sure I walk <laughs> this way. So I bump into her on the way to school. <laughs> so that was stalking in 1970 and 1980. And now you're not allowed. I mean, you can Google and find out where someone's at, but it's not that easy anymore. The white pages used to give out all this information. Yeah. You know, they don't do that on the internet. You can't just Google somebody's cell phone number unless somebody posts it, which, you know, obviously isn't ethical, but- all that information used to be public information. And, you know, now you got like Reddit and you got all these jerks on YouTube that just have some crazy name that doesn't mean anything. And, you know, they don't claim the city. They never claim anything. And they can say and do what they want. There's even YouTube content providers that don't claim their real name. And they, they get to say and do what they want. It's, you know, it's really annoying. I mean, I'm, I'm my name at everything. So people are like, what do you want on Instagram? What do you want? I'm just like, I got my name on everything. As far as I know, there's no other Jimmy DeResta's that are pretending to be me. It's all me. You know, my name is at... It's my email address is my name at every at dot such and such. I don't always collect, uh, check them, but, and it's my name and Snapchat, this, that, and the other thing. So, I mean, but if everybody was able to do that, you wouldn't have these people starting fights on YouTube and you wouldn't have these people saying you're a moron for, you know, doing this, this different way or, you know, that's why I stay, you know, as far as I can away from Reddit. I know there are some fans of mine on Reddit and I appreciate that. But for the most part, anytime someone links me to something on Reddit, it's just it, like if I was, I feel like a, a piece of meat inside of seven wolves and you know, to just tear me to pieces. Hmm. You know, that's the emotion. Is that, a, is that a reference from something, what you just said? No, I just, you know why I said that? Because I have wolves in my property and at night you could hear them like when they, they sound like laughing hmm. devils. It's crazy. Like I go out to my car at like two in the morning and you hear the wolves out in the woods. It reminds me of the people on Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> so 
one of the one of the guys that I, I've read all his books and I follow him on social media is Gary Vaynerchuk or Gary V as you may know him. And he always talks about the first year that YouTube was out, he had a wine channel. He was one of the first personalities on Twitter. He was first uh, he invested in Instagram right away. And he's always saying to look for the next thing and don't attack it after it's big. Attack it in its infant stages. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm always looking for the next thing. And I, I I got on Snapchat, but I I never really felt comfortable with it. So I, I've never mm-hmm. really pursued it. But are you guys always keeping your eyes open for the next big thing or, or new avenues to promote yourself and, and share your content? I mean, I keep an eye out for them. And I, like anytime a new app comes out that I, or a new network or something, I'll grab my name just to get it if yeah. I can. Um, but I, I also think it can be like, you can spin your wheels a whole lot if you try to invest your time and build your community on every single thing that's out yeah. there. Because, you know, just cause they're new doesn't mean they're going to last or they're going to take off. Well, it's funny. I, I, I have a, uh, I kind of developed organically this kind of, uh, with Snapchat, I only do like narratives. Like if me and Dave and Willie are going to hop in the truck and go do something, I'm like, this is a perfect day to do a Snapchat. You know, if we're going to do mm. something that's like starts in the beginning of the day, goes through the day, it ends at the end of the day. Or if I have like an exciting event, like a flood, you know, so I won't do Snapchat if I'm just going to be like doing something simple. And then also that to be said, Periscope, I only do Periscopes when the shop is full of weirdos. So when the shop has Dave and, you know, my weirdo <laughs> neighbor or, and we're all goofing around and we're farting and laughing, I'm like, oh wait, this is a perfect time for Periscope. And that's when I'll turn on Periscope. Because it just feels more festive to have to fill that live air if there's people there. For mm. me, I feel otherwise. Like I even get nervous when I have ten people, or there's never that many. But when there's like several people in the shop, and if I don't have like a laugh or something to say for a few seconds, I get a little neurotic. So that's how mm. I utilize Periscope is when there's like a festive thing going on in the shop. And uh, Instagram is to you know. So I have different reasons for different things. And as far as me, I have you know Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And Periscope. So is that five? I don't know. I just Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. Ugh, I hate Facebook. <laughs> you have two Facebooks. I, you have your. Personal I have two one. Facebooks, yeah. and you know, I, I I don't know who listens to me here. My my my, I just you know, there's always something. There's always like the neglected child that just doesn't get enough attention, and it's my it's my fan page for Facebook, and I hardly ever answer the emails on it. You know, when I have nothing to do for an hour and a half, I'll go on and I'll answer a block of emails. But a lot of people try to communicate through through there. I mean, if you could just dig up my email on the internet, just email me directly. I mean, that's I get a lot of emails in a day from people that are just asking me simple questions, and I never ask how they got my email. It's somewhere out there. Um, it might even be on my YouTube channel. But you know, a lot of people ask me questions through that second Facebook page, and I, you know, I answer once every two months, and uh, I just feel bad. I don't want to turn it off because it's got you know a lot of likes. It, it, I was cultivating it when I first got uh, when I first got it, but then all these other things take precedent, and I don't even like regular Facebook. I just use it as a means to just say, "Hey, look what I'm doing at these other places." So, yeah, kind of the same way. I mean, I'm I'm not really a fan of it, especially like I put out a, a message on it the other day saying, "Hey, did you know that you're probably not seeing everything that I post on Facebook because Facebook just it doesn't show everybody everything." Yeah, that you know if they like your page or whatever, and so. I don't know. Maybe that's a whole other conversation. But there's, uh, 
there's a lot of problems with trying to be fully integrated on every single network all the time. And, you know, as they're added to your question, David, as they're added, it's hard for me personally to like want to just like dive in and, Hey, I'm going to do beam all the time or I'm going to do whatever all the time. Beam. Know, I mean, I love Casey, but I still haven't figured out beam. I don't, I haven't figured out the advantages of it yeah. aside from just being in Casey's world, which is, you know, somewhat attractive, but beam is kind of useless. That's my review of Beam. I'm sorry, Casey. I really <laughs> like you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Casey doesn't listen to our podcast. <clears throat> Just a guess. <laughs> um, I was going to say, as far as, I mean, for me, summing up after hearing, you know, everybody's opinion, means to an end, I guess, you know, for me, it's uh, the, the end is just to make more money on YouTube, either it's, you know, through uh, product placement or just volume watches, which gets us more money. The more people watch, the more money we get as far as AdSense goes. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely open to new avenues and it'd be curious to see once, uh, TV finally fizzles up and there's like one gold rush, you know, 18 is the only show on history, discovery, A and E, T I Y. That'll be the name of the actual channel. <laughs> history, discovery, D I Y pregnant at a teenager MTV. It's going to be one channel. <laughs> it's going to be one long ink. Huh. Time Inc. It's going to be all those things, Time Inc. at the end of it. <laughs> and then it's going to be Gold Rush 18. <laughs> well, any any more thoughts on that subject? Well, I, I guess I would say the only other thing <clears throat> for me is that another kind of end goal is not just to is not just to be the only one involved in what I'm doing. So I would like, I don't want to have like a big company or anything, but I would like to have a team of people that all care about the same thing, that, that are working toward the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think when you have one person, so I'd, I'm one person that does a lot of things okay. And that gets me to a certain place. But when you have a team of four or five people that all do one thing really well, then as a group, you have all those things done really well. And so you can do every single one of them better. And so one of my long-term goals, whether YouTube is the vehicle that gets helps me make this happen or something else is, um, is to have a team that's doing the same, a small team that's doing the same thing, but way better and yeah. gives me the opportunity to be able to, you know, to reach my end goal, in, inspiring people in different ways. And some of those ways may be off of YouTube. They may be, you know, more podcast type media. They may be books. They may be plans. They may be, I don't know, other stuff. But as long as I'm one person, there's going to be a, a physical limit to how much stuff I can produce and how far I can reach. So yeah. one of my long-term goals is to have a, has a, you know, more hands and a longer reach, I guess. I yeah. feel that, that same way about my shop. I feel like I'm at a limit. I can't do you know, I can't keep like the biggest thing I made in, I mean, I've done bars and stuff always in small pieces, but you know, my, my chest of drawers, which is fairly large cabinet, like that's the limit of the, the size of things I could make. I'm like tired of like shuffling things around in that little small space. And I feel like I'm at my limit there. So this is, uh, you know, mm. as far as potential growth, I, I have to move out of there. It's definitely something I'm, I'm feeling more and more strongly as the days go by. Isn't yeah. it weird? Like once you get th- something like that in your mind. Like everything you else you can't, can't stop get, thinking about it <laughs> i know it's like when all of a sudden i think i need this tool and i'm like oh there's one yep. 
No, there's another one over here. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Why do I need this? I'm like, I'm sweating on Craigslist looking for a 1912 planer. I actually bought that planer. You guys saw it on Instagram. <laughs> it's huge. It's nice. It's huge. I it love it. Huge. It's so sexy. I won't be able to set it up till the spring though. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's kind of outside and it's cold up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think I've come anywhere close to reaching my my limits as like I don't think I'm this past year I don't think I pushed myself hard enough and so I'm gonna I'm trying to push myself this year a little bit harder and I would love to have some some help like like you said Bob to do the things that I don't enjoy doing or maybe not the best at but for right now I like being the one man show mm-hmm. I like having control of everything that's maybe that's just my personality and so in the near future uh, it's it's just going to be me but uh, i like we'll we'll see how my mindset changes about that and you know when i do hit my limits when i'm like i can't do anymore i can't take this anymore i i, I need help you know you know it's funny cuz like you're talking about hitting limits like i feel that way about myself a lot right now like yes i am at my capacity for how much i can produce and when i look at it when i can be objective about it you i'm totally with you I have not filled up every moment of my time. <laughs> I have not, you know, like fully exhausted everything that I can do. I mean, I can do things faster and better and make more time here and there when I look at it. But um, it's like, I don't know. I, I'm trying to look ahead at like, what the, what's the balance going to be, you know, this time next year? Is it me like m- making my schedule more precise and more, you know, chopped up into like these little bits of time so that that's all I'm thinking about to make sure I can fit everything in? Or... Is it like, I want to make stuff <laughs> and I want to pay somebody else to do something else that they really like to do and they're really good at, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so it's, I'm, I'm at that place where I'm trying to figure out like, is it a limit thing? Is that what I'm trying to bounce off of and trying to build a team? So I'm because I'm limited or because I don't want to get limited or, mm-hmm. you know, that type of thing. And also um, I've had companies before where I've had employees. And so, I think if this was my first like kind of entrepreneurial thing, I would be really scared of letting things go. But I've had a history of having not, not everybody that's worked for me has been worthwhile, (laughs) but some of the people have been just really, really good. You know, you bring them in and they just own it and they take care of their job and they, and it helps and it makes the whole thing better. And so I've had some pretty good experience with having those people around, which, you know, I understand not everybody's had. So, that may not be something everybody would want to jump to as quickly as I may be doing it. There was a time in my life where I had six or seven people working for me and my brother when we were doing prototyping. And, uh, you know, it was fun when, when everybody was hitting on all cylinders, but then you know, interpersonal relationships, you know, who has a crush on who, who's jealous of who, you know, that all started creeping in. It was a real, real difficult hmm. year that my brother and I had in 2000. <laughs> I think we're all here where we are because we enjoy all the aspects of it. Like I, at least I'll just talk for my, for myself. I enjoy making the videos. I enjoy editing the videos. I enjoy making the things. I enjoy the website maintenance for the most part until there's a disaster, you know, and I, I like tweeting and Instagramming. So I'm enjoying all that. And eventually I might have to give up some of that if I want to keep, pushing myself but do you guys enjoy most aspects of what you do 
I do. I, I mean, the, when it comes to the website, you know, you guys are more savvy than than I am. I have to rely on my buddy Doug, who's who's amazing at branding, and Doug is great. You know, so and Doug and I trade, so it, it, there's always like he can call me and I can help him, and vice versa. So, um, I just wish I was more involved in that. It's like one of those things that's not sticking for me. Like I know I can go right into my Square account and change things around. And, you know, when somebody says, hey, you have a, a word misspelled on this page of your website, I get all nervous. I'm like, Doug, there's a word misspelled. I know I could, if I take 10 minutes, I could figure it out. But I'm always afraid I'm going to, like, delete my whole web page. So <laughs> I just need to be a little bit more confident in that area. But I love I love piecing together a video. Like you, you said to me uh, before the thing started, you, you complimented my, my knife video and how it seems a little bit more edited, a little bit more precisely. And that was because I had more time to edit it between Christmas and New Year's. It was the only video I was working on. It was the only hard drive I had with me. If I had my other hard drive with me, I'd have 10 other movies to work on. But <laughs> So I literally was putting that movie together every day as I was working on it slightly. So that was a lot of fun to me to spend that much time and really like tweak and you know look at something and rearrange pieces. But usually I'm like, I get like a first pass, watch it, show it to Taylor, get a couple of opinions, edit it again, and then publish it. You know, This time I had a lot more time than that. And uh, that's very rewarding is to to do that, you know. So yeah, I, I mean, of course, coming up with ideas and so I like a lot of the aspects. Some of the rewarding ones is the key word there. Yeah, it, yeah. it is rewarding to like I've did all this for the most part myself. I, there's I've had some people help me. I've had other YouTubers and other people in social media help me. I've had my wife help me. I've had my friends help me with things. But for the most part, like I, it's so rewarding because I got here because of these thoughts that I had in, in, in my head and I've executed them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, like I, I enjoy all the different parts of it except for, you know, keeping track of receipts and <laughs> that stuff. <laughs> but I mean, as far as like the actual production end of things, I enjoy it all, but I'm better at per parts of it than I am at others, you know? And I think I'm more effective at some parts than others. I mean, like take just the design of videos. Like I do, you know, there's the, the shooting, there's the editing, there's, I'm starting to do some more motion graphics. Um, there's like the audio stuff and I'm pretty good with the camera and I'm pretty good with the audio stuff, but the motion graphic stuff, the guy that I have a friend of mine that's been working for me, he can do that stuff way better than I could ever do it. He's just better at it, you know? And so even though I, I kind of enjoy figuring it out, the end result's never going to be as good as somebody who's just really good at it. And so I think part of what I enjoy is uh, and what's rewarding for me is like doing a really good job on something. What, you know, what I think is a good job. It may not be what a commenter thinks is a good job. But so I would rather put my time, and this is in a really general sense, but I would rather put my time into the thing that I like, oh yeah, I'm pretty good at that. And I can do that to a point to where it's like worthwhile me doing it versus somebody else doing it, mm -hmm. you know, and like the graphics, for instance, like it's just better if somebody else does it. And I want, I want it to be good. So <laughs> I would rather have somebody else do it. You know? <laughs> we have high standards. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that'll probably do it for uh, that topic. You guys want to talk about what we're watching or listening to or yes. drawing or reading or <laughs> let's expand it a little bit. I do have a YouTube video this time and it is by Tested. We've talked about Tested before, but this one... Uh, I think was it yesterday or the day before they had a video on Kodak's new Super 8 camera. Have you guys seen this? I saw no. the, the thumbnail, but that's... Uh, so 
I don't know why I'm excited and I don't even know how I would use this. I just know that I would want it. I, I never shot film video. I've, hmm. uh, yeah, I've had, I've had, um, well, camcorders and stuff, you know, the family camcorders and growing up, but I've never shot anything with a film camera to that, that ended up being worth anything. But I used to shoot film photography all the time. And it's one of those things I kind of want to get back into because developing uh, black and white photos was, was always fun. I, I, I miss the smell, which is a weird thing. But yeah. um, so Kodak has a new Super 8 camera coming out at the end of the year and it records on film it has a digital viewfinder so you can see what you're recording it records digital audio and then um so you buy the film from kodak when you buy it you also get processing in that purchase so Hmm. then you send it off to kodak they will develop it they will then send you the film but they will also upload to their cloud the video from the camera syncs oh, with the audio. Yes. Nice. So you can you can download it and then do whatever you want. And it's it's gonna be like four K resolution. So you're gonna get all that awesome grain and everything that you would get with a Super Eight camera. And that's it's, it's, it's funny. It's, it's go ahead, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say like it's um they they, t- they talk about this like you guys remember shooting with a regular or a film camera back in the day where you had 24 shots on that roll of film otherwise you had to go and spend another seven dollars on a roll of film so you kind of you took every shot meant something it's not like these days where you just you know spray and pray with your phone and then you get you get the shot that you want out of that so using this camera there's only a few minutes on each roll of film so you really have to like say yourself is this what I really want to shoot? And it makes you think about what you're doing. It's going to be interesting because what's going to happen is you're going to get a lot of guys being creatively editing in the camera. So people are going to put together mm-hmm. scenarios where they edit in the camera and then that's going to be it. And then what they mm-hmm. get, if they feel like they need to tweak it once they download the footage. Uh, what I, I was about to interrupt you and say, it's amazing that Kodak finally reinvented themselves. You know, yeah. I remember, what was it, uh, like 12 years ago, they stopped making black and white film paper. And that was like, whoa hmm. is that the end of kodak and i was because i was working in a newspaper dark room when they stopped when they announced that they were going to stop making black and white film paper <laughs> and uh they i mean they started the whole film thing many years ago and of so course, like, yeah. like you said like you have these days if you're a one-person business or if you are a big corporation you always have to find ways to reinvent yourself because everything is changing just like we mentioned earlier, YouTube might not be around forever. So what's going to be yeah. the next step? The funny thing is, is like maybe it's got to be 17, 18 years ago. I don't even remember exactly, but it was my dad's birthday and he he was buying all his technology stuff for himself. He was like treating himself to all these computer things. And I wasn't even really big into the computer at all. He had an email before me. And so I went to Staples to their electronic section. I'm like, oh, Kodak's making a digital camera. I'll buy that. It was basically like a still video camera where it like took a video still, that's like the, what the resolution was. But it went on to like a piece of like a, I don't even remember, a disc, some kind of disc, and then you put it into your computer or you wire it, just like you do now, but you know, prim- primitive. And uh, I was like, oh, and, and that was the very first digital camera I ever saw was by Kodak, and then it disappeared. Uh, apparently they, they were like trying to suppress digital to try and keep film alive, and that's where they lost their foothold. But they made it, they put out a digital camera, the first one that I ever saw, but mm-hmm. 
it was the last one I ever saw from them. <laughs> it's still <laughs> sitting. My dad cherishes everything, and he still has it, like in its box, tucked up. And you know, it's it's like looking at a Polaroid camera ten years ago. You're like, what the hell is good as this? Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting you were talking about editing the people who are going to be editing in the camera. Like because I have I have two rolls of Super 8 film that I shot when I was in college. And I edited the story in the camera, and I've never gotten them developed. <laughs> oh. so it would be really interesting to see. Because I used to shoot Super 8 a little bit. I used to shoot 16 millimeter. I have an Aeroflex. I have an old uh, Army Aeroflex camera that I used to shoot with. And uh, I made a couple short, literally a couple, two short movies. And I, I uh, had one output to video and then I edited the videotape instead of the actual film because it was like kind of when they stopped editing film right in the beginning of Final Cut Pro. Mm-hmm. You know, I bought the camera before 9-11 for about $6,000 with lenses and stuff and then I brought it back to the same guy almost a year later. You know, in New York, 9-11 was sort of the digital revolution when all the, all the photographers started publishing their event photos and everyone's like, oh yeah, these are all digital photos. And, uh, I went back in to sell my Aeroflex kit and the guy says, I'll give you 500 bucks for it. He goes, I can't even <laughs> sell it anymore because the digital revolution has completely steamrolled my business in the last year. And so I, I just kept the camera. It's sitting, it's sitting in storage. Crazy. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, what, what have you been watching? Um, well, I'm going to just, uh, I'll talk about Hickok 45 since I talked about it. I mean, if anybody's like a, a gun nut, like uh, I'm like a secret gun nut. I'm not a big out in your face gun nut only once in a while. Um, <laughs> so Hickok 45 talks about guns, vintage guns and, you know, remakes of vintage guns and he shoots them and talks about stuff. So, I mean, you get a good gun education on there. Um, and I was, uh, you know, again, intriguing situation where they lost their channel, got it back without any real explanation and how scary that could be. So they have a video, a couple of, uh, it was from four days ago. I just noticed of how they discuss what happened. And, uh, also I just want to make one thing clear. Uh, I'll get a lot of emails from time to time, especially these last couple of weeks, telling me that Core 77 is a channel that's stealing my content. <laughs> and I just want to make it clear that I have a deal with them and that, you know, I, I'm sure the people that are listening already know this, but uh, I do have a deal with Core 77 for exclusive content that will only be on their channel from me. And that's uh, core77.com website, but their channel has the same name. <laughs> so I just wanted to clear that up. I know about it and it's not thievery. <laughs> cool. Um, well, for me, I actually want to give a TV recommendation or it's, I guess it's TV. Um, but so last time I recommended Mr. Robot, remember? And then I came back the next week and said, Oh, I watched some more of that. And it's kind of crazy. So, <laughs> um, so this show, I'm going to give kind of the same disclaimer because I've only seen like two episodes. So I don't know what it's going to turn out to be, but what I've seen is really cool. It's called the man in the high castle. You heard about this? Mm-mm. It's, I believe it's an Amazon exclusive. Um, I started watching it because uh, it's in 4K and I was curious what a 4K TV show would look like. So it's uh, based on a novel and it's about, it's set in, I guess the fifties sometime in the fifties. I'm not, they haven't really set a date yet, but it's just like normal life going along as if the Nazis won world war two. Oh, over. I saw, I saw trailers for it. So they took over half the U.S. and then Japan took over the other half. So there's like the, a neutral zone in the middle where the two can't meet. And and so it's just like it's about so far it's about a few people. There's some sort of rebellion happening against these two. It's the resistance. The resistance. But, it, but it's like um, 
like everything is you know period so all the are the all the trucks and all the clothes and all the stuff is all to that period i love when the shows do that well cuz yeah it seems like there'd be so much detail to keep track of but yeah. anyway it's a you know kind of suspense spy type show set in the 40s or 50s i guess 50s that's amazing i saw i saw a couple trailers for that and i was intrigued i wanted to watch that yeah it's good so far really well acted and shot and has a kind of a specific color grading to it to make it, you know, like fit in that, what we think of as that time period and stuff. So nice. yeah, cool. I want to uh, go back and say one more recommendation because no, we talked we've about already had two. <laughs> <laughs> had, so now I'm going to steal a third one. M, uh, M- making a murderer on Netflix. I've seen the trailers for it and I kind of blew it off, but uh, I started watching it this week and boy, I tell you, it's crazy. I don't know where it's going, but it is crazy. We've seen one yeah. episode. We're watching episode two tonight. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you about it. All I oh, know man. is that it's crazy. It just makes you, it can scare you to, to live in this, in America and just not know, you know, it, it, what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I would avoid shows like that. I watch TV to, to escape <laughs> no. reality. To, <laughs> I would watch <laughs> that show into to, just to see what could, could potentially become of, you know, if you're not paying close attention. It's mm. crazy. I mean, I don't even know where it's going. I don't. I think you know, I, I Taylor, my my Google investigator. She she we already know like what's current events because she looked at it up when we were watching. But um, yeah, nobody spoil crazy. anything for us. First person that spoils anything, I'm banning them. I'm banning their IP. <laughs> I'm banning them from all my networks. Don't ruin this for us. By the way, that's just all. That's all public information. It's in the news. It's not. It's not scripted. So. Yes. Gotcha. Cool. Well, I still won't watch it. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is a, well, then, uh, a big, the Bob, big you're going to spend 20 years in jail before they check the DNA <laughs> I'm going to say a big thanks to Luis Gonzalez, Chris Kopp and Jeremy White um, and everybody else from, uh, from oh Patreon. I got to hang out with Luis this week so yeah. Luis thank you brother it was so much fun to meet you in person and hang out and we had a lot of laughs so awesome. he came to thanks. New York for, for three days and we got to steal away for a couple of hours here and there cool well, thanks to him and everybody else from uh, Patreon, and that support really helps, and we really appreciate it. So, thank you, uh, thank, thank you for that. And if you guys want to help, you can go to Patreon.com/slash Making It, or you could just share the show. You could go to iTunes and leave a review and a rating. You could, I don't know, come up with a creative way to share our show to people you know. That would yep. be awesome. Thank you. Um, I guess that's it for this week. Unless you guys got anything else. That's it. That's it. Cool. See you guys next week. See you later. Bye. Nothing. Nothing for me. (laughs) What? No, I love you. I love you. Yeah. 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 Stop. Wait. Mine's going to have an I love you at the very far end.